so we should be in Luke chapter 19. Can somebody shout out a page number in the church Bible for me, please? 741. This is, oh, it's just such a famous and great story. Let's read it together. I love this story. Here we go. uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people who saw this, sorry, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to the, be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. And may the Lord add much blessing to the reading of his word. But my ears you have pierced, or my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we come to your word now, there would be that desire deep in our hearts to do your will, to follow you. We pray that we might come as those who are present, uh, able to say, here I am. I've come to hear from you this morning, Lord. And we ask our Lord that you would be the one who opens our ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning. Please be gracious to us in that, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hi, everybody. Good morning. For those of you who don't know, my name is Anthony, um, and we're in Luke chapter 19, and those, uh, those verses 1 to 9, 1 to 10, that story... Joe, could you could you show that slide at the beginning for us? Um, the Winter Olympics are on uh, in Korea, 2018. There's the view from the the, the top of the the largest uh, ski slope that's there. I don't know how you'd feel if you were at the top like that. Pretty, pretty, um, pretty amazing, that isn't it? Pretty fearful. Um, we're in Luke. We're in Luke's gospel. We thought, well, how do we get here? You know, Luke's gospel is a long gospel. There are 24 chapters, and like, um, like all of the gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—it climbs, it climbs to a summit, to a peak which in all of the Gospels is the cross event and the resurrection that follows. 
Um, and so what we need to remember as we drop into this story, which we are doing today, is that it comes right at the peak, right at the edge of the peak of that summit itself. Um, this is the last encounter with anyone until in just a few verses Jesus will enter Jerusalem and will not emerge from there except by his death and resurrection. So we would expect this story, um, the last of many encounters, to be dealing with some pretty important stuff, foundational stuff, Jesus is sharing with us in this incident, in this story. Um, we can we can we can lose the picture now. Um, so I want to, because of that, I want to take what is probably one of the most firmly held views about life, okay, and to press it up against this story and see what happens. Um, the most firmly held world worldview is this: I must impress God in order to be right with him. Okay? I must impress God in order to be right with him. This is one of the most firmly held worldviews. It is, of course, the bedrock of every religion, except for um, biblical Christianity. Um, and so it is important that at some point or other, as we go through our lives, we examine that belief really carefully. Um, the belief goes like this. There are good things that I must say yes to, okay, like helping old ladies across the road, and there are bad things that I must say no to, like pornography. And provided the good things about me outweigh the bad things, then things between me and God will be calm. Um, so the belief goes with that Jesus existed, if he did exist, to tell us by his life and by his words what those good things are that I must accept and what those bad things are that I must reject. By this reckoning, a person gets what they deserve. Sometimes we talk about karma, don't we? You get what you deserve in this life and the next. By this kind of reckoning, God is really angry with some people. He's pretty angry with some people. He's quite pleased with some people. And sometimes he's really pleased with the odd person here and there. Or we might say, this week I've had a, a good week, so God loves me more. Uh, and next week I might have a bad week, and God will love me less. Um, this is a worldview. I'm trying to open up this worldview here, which says, to be loved, we must earn love. And if we could see into one another's hearts this morning, um, many of us, I guess, don't feel loved because we've been trained to think like that, that love must be earned. Because, after all, it's the message that pours out of our TVs, isn't it? 
impress the dragons on Dragon's Den, impress the judges in the Bake Off. You don't watch those programs, do you? Uh, or EastEnders, you know, love must be earned. Um, work to gain others' approval. It happens in all of the programs, doesn't it? It's the message of life the end of the day, isn't it? The prize in life goes to the smartest or the prettiest or the wealthiest or the funniest or the bravest, the fastest, the most intelligent. A woman wrote in a biography, she was reflecting on her life and she wrote this. She said, I lived a life trying to earn my father's approval and God's love. Constantly trying to earn love and approval. And it is sad, isn't it? It saddens us. But it does not surprise us because this is the commonly held worldview. I must impress God in order to be right with him. So where do we, Speak Baptist Church, get the audacity to say as we do, that that is impossible. Impossible. That I must impress God in order to be right with him is absolute garbage. Not only to say it, but to rejoice in the fact that it's garbage. Uh, And not only to rejoice in it being garbage, but to say that the impossibility of it is all our hope and confidence, which I know many of you say here and know that to be true. Well, at this vitally important part of the Jesus story, we'll see that perhaps more clearly, more obvious than anywhere else. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 4. Let's read straight into it. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. I was looking back at the pictures that we got um, this week of the Giants when they visited Liverpool in the summer of 2014. Do you remember that? Yeah. Do you remember the girl uh, and the granny? Do you remember these characters and the dog? Perhaps you were there. Perhaps you went to see it um, like me. Um, Of course, we planned where we would go and see it, and we thought we'd picked a really good spot. Um where we'd be able to get there early and we'd be able to see and get a really good view. But of course, so did a few other thousand people seem to have spotted our spot as well. Uh, The the few thousand that arrived before we got there and the few thousand that came after. Well, thankfully, they were giants. Um, And that was okay because we still managed to get a good sight of them. But unlike the giants here, Jesus is just a man. Okay? But as 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 Jesus enters this city of Jericho, the scene was somewhat similar to that picture 
of, of what we had there in the summer of 2014. Thousands of people who had heard about Jesus jostling to see him. Perhaps some were there with the hope of just getting a touch of Jesus in order to be healed, having heard how he had healed so many. Historians tell us that Jericho was uh, a wealthy, attractive and trendy city in the first century. Um, It was built on a crossroads of busy routes which went from north to south and from east to west. So it was a a really bustling trade centre as well um, and a busy place for tax authorities. It boasted a tropical climate uh, where trees like the sycamore fig tree that Zacchaeus climbed up would, uh, would have thrived. And the name Jericho itself means perfumed place. So this place was great. It even smelt good. It was that kind of place. Um, not surprising then to find among this trendy place, this opulent rich place, a chief tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus. Think back years earlier to this story when Zacchaeus' parents took him along to the temple to present him before God as as was the tradition then after he was born. Uh, No doubt the name that they gave him, Zacchaeus, which means pure or righteous, no doubt that sort of reflected their hopes for their, their little man at that time. Well, now, years later, we drop into this story and this little man, well, their little man then is still a little man, but any pure and righteous ambitions they had for him have have long gone. You see, tax collectors were among the, the most horrible and the most unpopular people on the earth. Yeah, they, were, they, were, they were Jewish countrymen who um, who collected taxes for the Romans, and so that made them kind of hated traitors, as it were. People had the same kind of feeling towards tax collectors in those days as you and I might have towards those two guys that were in the news this week that were arrested, uh, ISIS fighters in Syria. You know the story from this week, um, who'd uh, uh, tortured um, uh, people, uh, 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 British and American citizens over there, uh, but who were British citizens themselves. And people had the same kind of attitude towards tax collectors as we might have towards those couple of fellas. Tax collectors were the baddest, the meanest, the greediest, the worldliest, the most loathsome sort of men. Men whose lives also were captivated by wealth, driven by money and the pursuit of it at any cost. Men like our Zacchaeus, who's not just a tax collector, did you notice, but a chief tax collector. Okay, so what, whatever he may or may not have thought about himself, you and I are supposed to think this guy has got no hope of ever impressing God to be right with him. If those were ever the rules, 
it was impossible that Zacchaeus would ever inherit eternal life. You might say it would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, a camel to go through the eye of a needle, than for Zacchaeus to impress God and inherit eternal life. Luke's major point, and he doesn't want you to miss it, is this. Zacchaeus is an impossible case where ever being calm with God is concerned. Impossible case. An impossible case, but not a special one. You see, it's the repeated message of the Bible that all of us enter the world spiritually dead dead in our trespasses and sins it says in Ephesians chapter 2 by nature we are all of us from birth towards God as it were we're we're the walking dead towards God even the very best of us like a dead body with no responsiveness whatsoever towards God or or ability to impress him If being calm with God was ever about impressing him, we are all doomed. We are all doomed. Consistent message of the Bible. And then we read something that surprises us in verse 3. He, Zacchaeus, wanted to see who Jesus was. He wanted to see Jesus. Well, Why do you suppose that was? Why would someone like Zacchaeus, who had loads of money, he was wealthy, he had all the good things that this world has to offer, why would that person want to see Jesus? Wow, I've been thinking about that. Maybe, maybe he had this sort of nagging feeling of a, of a hole in his life like something was missing which even the stuff that he had in life just wouldn't fill or maybe he had this sort of gnawing sense of guilt as he remembered some of the the something maybe it was or some things that he had been up to and it just wouldn't go quiet that sense of guilt Perhaps the word had got round the tax collectors, their little community, there must have been quite a tight community, that one of their number, a guy called Levi, who we know in the Bible as Matthew, one of the gospel writers, was now, a former tax collector, was now among the band of Jesus' followers. And, and maybe Zacchaeus had heard uh, how Jesus was not ashamed of having this reputation uh, as one who knocked around with sinners and tax collectors. And whatever it was, it seems that hope is rising in, in Zacchaeus's heart. Hope that things could be different. Maybe it was all of those things. Maybe it was some of them. Maybe it was none of those things. Maybe if we could get Zacchaeus here today and get him up here on this platform here and ask him what it was, maybe he would say to us, do you know what? I don't really know. I still don't know to this day 
there seems no reason whatsoever that I should have been wanting to see Jesus. I mean, if everybody didn't like me, so what? Do you, th- do you think I care about that? I have everything going for me on paper, Zacchaeus might say. But this I know. I wanted to see Jesus. don't know where it came from, but I wanted to see Jesus. Which, of course, was Zacchaeus' a problem because we're told that he was short. Um, and you know what that's like, don't you? You know what, you know what kind of problem that's like? It's the problem that you have when you, when you buy a ticket for the cinema, you know, and you get there nice and early, and you buy your ticket, and you sit down, and then two minutes before the film's about to start, Mark Palmer comes and sits down right in front of you. Oh dear. It's that sort of feeling, isn't it? When our kids were younger, um, I don't know whether they still have these these days, do they? They used to have bucket seats or kind of like lifting. Yeah, Angie's nodding at the back. So you could plonk your kids on those and give them a bit, a bit of a lift. I don't know whether you're allowed to do that as an adult if Mark Palmer comes and sits down in front of you. I don't know whether that's, that's a, an allowable thing. Um, but Zacchaeus, this is his problem, doesn't it? And he wants to see Jesus. Um, So he's not going to let a small thing like that get in the way. When a person wants to, when a person really wants to see Jesus, they overcome obstacles. Um, Verse 4, so he ran ahead. He's got a strategy and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was passing that way. (laughs) And As we leave this scene, the unlikelihood of a man like Zacchaeus ever being right with God, ever being right with God, is is added to now with this unlikely picture, okay, of this really rich and wealthy man, probably middle-aged, perhaps he's a little bit less than that, but he's certainly not not a youngster wanting to see jesus for a start that's weird running to see jesus and climbing a tree to see jesus can you imagine alan sugar doing that no no neither can i what is going on what is going on let's read on verse five when jesus reached the spot he looked up and said to him Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And Luke wants us to see here that Jesus is like a a heat-seeking missile. When Jesus reached the spot, Jesus, Luke tells us, comes to the exact spot. It's as though there's a big white painted X on the spot where Jesus has to go to um, and he looks up and he shouts Zacchaeus come down immediately um, uh, those of you that are paying attention carefully to the story what's strange about that Zacchaeus come down immediately what's strange about that you're paying attention to the story that's great thank you how does he know his name hmm hmm how does he know his name And then Jesus continues, I must come to your house today. Not I'm thinking I I might stay at your house. I must stay at your house today. That word must, 
um, day in Greek, D-E-I, we're told, um, is used by Luke and in the Gospels whenever the point is being made, effectively, that if it doesn't happen, then the whole fabric of the universe will collapse. That's the word must here, okay? So in chapter 4, Jesus says something like that. Jesus says this, I must preach the good news. Okay? It's always going to happen. It was always going to happen. Or on the three occasions that Jesus predicts his death, he uses that same word must. The Son of Man must suffer many things, and so on and so on. It was always going to happen. Planned that way, before the dawn of time. So here, I must stay at your house today, together with the fact that Jesus goes as a heat-seeking missile to the spot and uses Zacchaeus's name, that he didn't mean, we, we're told he wasn't told, communicates to us that this was always going to happen because God intended it to be that way a meeting of jesus and zacchaeus planned like everything else before the dawn of time and so um maybe we begin to see here uh, the the deeper answer to the question that we were just asking of verse three why was zacchaeus seeking to see Jesus and the answer here is Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus because Jesus was first seeking him yeah Zacchaeus come down immediately I must come to your house and then verse 6 so he came down at once and welcomed him it's a really happy, happy part of the story. You know, any composure that Zacchaeus had at this point must surely have been lost as you see him, as we picture him sliding down the branches of this sycamore fig tree at once, without a moment's hesitation, and welcoming Jesus gladly. I wonder, I wonder what that was like, do you? Would it have been, um, uh, oh, hello, Jesus? Was that the sort of welcome? that was going on there? I don't think so. I don't think so. More like, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. You want to come to my house? Oh, my house? Oh, oh, Jesus. It's going to be something of that, isn't it? Um, this, is, this is a great point in the story, okay? Something awakens in Zacchaeus that, do you know that maybe he never even truly knew himself up to that point? Something awakens in him that there now, in this moment, looking into Jesus' face, now hearing Jesus call his name, standing before him and embracing him, all his birthdays and all of his Christmases and all of his hopes and all of his dreams and all of life is right there in front of him, everything. And what he maybe only knew in part, well, at this point, he knows in full that Jesus cares about him, that Jesus cares about 
him, Zacchaeus. Now, if you hold that Christianity is, I must impress God to be right with him, well, you're going to be a little bit puzzled and a little bit annoyed by the time we've got to this point, aren't you really? Um, Zach, remember, he's the meanest, the nastiest, the baddest, the, 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 the horriblest little big bad boy that ever there was. And he's got religion. You're going to mutter, that ain't fair. He didn't play by the rules. You're going to mutter, he's gone in to be the guest of a sinner. That ain't fair. He's gone in and we's outside. Ah, that's, that's Luke's major point. Yeah, he's inside. And you grumblers, you's outside. By which he means he's in the kingdom of God. And, you, and he ain't going out. And use out the kingdom of God and you ain't coming in. There's no room here for us to think, okay, okay, Zacchaeus, he was a bad boy. He needed a bit of help. He was a rotten sort. But, but you know, I'm not like him. Um, and Jesus is cool with me. There's no, reason, <laughs> there's no room in this story for us to think that. No, this is, this is in and out stuff. Okay, this is, we've got to see this clearly here. This is in and out stuff. In the Old Testament, you grumbled, you dead. Remember that in the Old Testament? You grumbled, you dead. In the New Testament, you grumbled, you out the kingdom. Okay, this is in-out stuff here. And then we go inside uh, Zacchaeus' house as the story finishes in verses 8 to 9. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. It'd be easy for us to skim over that, but we mustn't. Okay, look at the detail. Imagine you're Zacchaeus, okay, and you say, here and now I give half of my possessions, everything I own, money and possessions, houses if you've got them, folks, cars if you've got them, half of it all to the poor, straight off, 50%. Imagine that. Wow. And I'm even putting the other 50% on the line. From the, the remaining half, I'm going to make good for every rotten deal that I've done. I'm going to pay back four times whatever I filched. Imagine that. Just imagine it. What would have to have changed in his life to do that? The answer what would have to have changed in his life? Everything. Everything. From a life captivated by wealth to now putting absolutely everything on the line, you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. Unless salvation was about something, wasn't about something that we do to impress God and tip the balance in our favor. But if salvation rested in the hands of the one who says, what is impossible with man is possible 
with God. You know, we've enjoyed, haven't we, many of us going through the Real Change series this last month and found it really helpful. Um, well, this is real change here, isn't it? You could say, this, this is real change. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> And his generosity, remember, in this, we've got to see his generosity is evidence of a change that's already happened in his heart. It's not the means by which he makes himself right with God. So Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. Salvation. Salvation means deliverance from sin and its consequences. Salvation has come to this house because he's a son of Abraham. And verse 10, the son of man, that's Jesus. That's the name that Jesus gave for himself often in the the Gospels. The son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. Not salvation has come to this house because he's tipped the balance There's more good now than there was bad, so salvation has come to this house. No, it's not that. Salvation has come to this house because he was the son of Abraham, a true child of God, and children of God, though lost he was, are always sought, and they're always found by Jesus right where they are, even if it's up a tree, like it was for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was beyond salvation okay he was the baddest smallest meanest no hoper except for one thing and it's the only thing that ever matters and it's the thing that matters he was sought out by the son of man but the son of man came to seek and save what was lost and that's how the story finishes for the son of man came to seek and save the lost luke is saying this is how jesus always rolls this, this, this was a story for Zacchaeus, but this is exactly how it always is. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what is lost. This is Jesus' signature. This is why Jesus came, not to show us how to impress God. Our very best efforts to do that are garbage, but to take the im out of impossible and to bring calm with God to people who are seeking Jesus And in doing so, find, in fact, that they are actually being sought by him. So let me finish this morning with an appeal to everyone who's seeking to see who Jesus is. I realize you may be here this morning and you may be like Zacchaeus was a few weeks before this story. Okay, when he's bending his ear in, perhaps hearing about Jesus for the first time. A few weeks before this story, Zacchaeus was not where he is in this story. And that may be you this morning, bending your ear in, perhaps for the first time. And so if that's the case, we would say we are so glad you're here and we would urge you to please keep coming and hearing and doing the same thing. But your heart might have a greater urgency than that this morning. It may may be possible for you to say of yourself, I want to see Jesus. And there may be absolutely no good reason whatsoever for you to say that. Um, 
that you can think of. But you know it's there nonetheless. I must, I must see Jesus. And like Zacchaeus, you're brushing past the obstacles. In fact, the very fact that you're here this morning might be you brushing past the obstacles. Because you must see Jesus. You may feel afraid or even uncertain of all those kinds of feelings. Well, I, I hope we have at least brushed away that garbage about being good enough to impress him. Here instead, the message of this story, Jesus cares for you. Hear Jesus say to you this morning, come, come with me now. Come down immediately. Come with me. Hear him calling you and addressing you by your name. Hear him say to you, let me change everything. Come down, come down immediately. Because we know now what Zacchaeus would only know about later. That you see, Jesus is able to say that to you this morning. Come down and don't delay, as he did to Zacchaeus. Because he was, first sentence, passing through Jericho on the way to Jerusalem. Where at the cross, Jesus would stretch out his arms and he would bear the offense that you and I deserve in our place. That's why he could seek and save Zacchaeus. And that's why he can seeks and saves lost you. You will not ever impress God. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So why don't you come and speak to me afterwards if you're ready to come down and receive him gladly, like Zacchaeus did in this story. And then to those of us who came down and received him joyfully once, we know that. Well, I hope you've had your heart rekindled this morning um, by this story of first love. You know, if this wasn't true, then all the things that we've been singing about this morning wouldn't be true either. We couldn't sing of grace. We couldn't speak of grace. We couldn't speak of sins forgiven. We couldn't speak of a hope of eternal life if this wasn't true. I hope you've had your heart rekindled this morning at this story of first love. Perhaps you've seen in it parts of your own story when you came down and received him gladly. Well, we are coming to the end of the real change stuff that we've been doing. Um, and there's much in this story that's been repeated over these few weeks. But let me end with two that I think you'll nod with agreement to. Okay, number one, this is where we finish. He who began a good work in you will finish it. That's where we started right the way back. But think about that with respect to this story. I lost my phone once. I didn't find it. But the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And having found he or she who was lost, do you think he's going to lose you again? Do you think he's going to lose you? Really? Of course he's not. Of course he's not. And the second thing, real change 
as we've seen from this story, always happens from a heart that's passionate about Jesus. Yeah, That's where that lifelong journey of change, that's where it begins, that's how it continues, that's where it ends. Always a heart captivated and passionate about the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's bow our heads and let's uh, pray. Let's just take this last opportunity before we sing to give God the appreciation for what he's done for us in Christ Jesus, who came to seek and save the lost. Heavenly Father, we, we just want to thank you so much this morning that though as lost people with no hope of ever making ourselves right with you, you loved us so much that you sent your only son into the world so that we might not perish but have eternal life. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you that he bore the wrath that we deserve so that we wouldn't have to, so that he might say to us, I've come to seek and save you. And he might address us by name. Father, we thank you and praise you this morning for grace. We thank you for change. And we pray, Father, that you would continue to work change in us. If we're here, and that is a change that you want to do in our lives for the first time, Lord, we thank you that you are willing and able to do that. If we have been Christians for a long time, Father, we thank you that with a heart full of passion for the Lord Jesus Christ, you will go on doing the change in us that we that we deep down want you to do. So, Father, we praise you and thank you this morning that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And we praise you in Jesus' wonderful, wonderful name. Amen. Amen. What a great little story. What a great little story. What an important little story. We're going to finish by singing a great song, Oh to See the Dawn. This, the power of the cross. The cross is the only reason why Jesus can seek and save the lost. The cross is very, very powerful. So let's enjoy standing together and singing this, the power of the cross. Christ became sin for us. Let's stand together and sing.